Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. If you're looking for the fastest way to create a repeatable process for generating high quality leads and predictably book your calendar with interested prospects on autopilot without cold calling or ads, I created a free video training that will show you how to do exactly that. Head on over to outboundleadaccelerator.com. That's outboundleadaccelerator.com to get your free video training. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. Listen on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Chase Diamond. Chase is the co-founder of Boundless Labs. Boundless Labs is a top e-commerce email marketing agency. Since launching Boundless Labs in June of 2018, the company has helped their clients send hundreds of millions of emails, resulting in over $25 million in email attributable revenue. A few of their clients include The Chive, Original Grain, Tushy, and Vinyl Me Please. Chase and his team have scaled a product he built, marketed, and managed to 500,000 visitors in six months without spending a single traditional advertising dollar. They've also acquired 500,000 subscribers in 10 months for a travel email newsletter that he helped launch with spending very little money in traditional advertising dollars. And he and his team have driven over 350,000 unique clicks and responses via cold email campaigns in 2017, which is definitely something that I'd love to get into today. Chase, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you awesome. doing? I'm doing great. So first off, you know, can you kind of walk us through your background and how it's led to what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. At the start of my career, a lot of what I did was actually around cold email. I have a very different background where most people you know, do paid acquisition or other things like that. I've always used cold email as a source of user acquisition. So starting out of college, I built a product basically that connected students on college campuses to others in their classroom. So that way they could share course material. So things like study guides, course notes, even past exams. Um, and the way that we scaled that product was largely through cold email. Basically, we went through college directories and we were emailing people, hey, check out this you know, course document for your econ class. So we scaled that to you know, hundreds of thousands of users, largely on the back of cold email. Awesome. And were you kind of privy to cold email at the time when you were doing that? How did you kind of get the idea to just start emailing people and, and kind of what did that look like as it scaled? Yeah. So at that point, that was in 2017. I had really no kind of formal at scale cold email experience. So Really, we picked a few schools and we went directory by directory, 
And as we saw the replies and kind of the engagement really increase, I was like, wow, there's a lot of power here. If only I could figure out how to automate this. So I then went down this rabbit hole and on this journey of, you know, how do I figure out how to scale and automate this? So that way we could start growing it by 10x, 50x, 100x. So at the time, I had no experience with sending one-off emails, saw that it worked, and then ultimately dove in and figured out how to scale it. Okay, awesome. And what are some insights you gained when you were figuring out how to scale and what were some kind of processes you started to put in place? Yeah, so one thing that I figured out was I wanted to do this cold email thing for a long time. So I wanted to build a system that was highly repeatable. Um, so I started learning about this thing called an SMTP server. So Sam, Mary, Tom, Paul, SMTP servers. And basically what that allowed me to do was to warm up a server, and I had multiple of these servers, warm it up kind of once and be able to plug and play for this business or any other businesses in the future. So I wanted to create a scalable infrastructure because again, like warming up domains, warming up email accounts, as you very well know, it takes a lot of time, effort, and patience. So I only wanted to have to go through that once. So my process basically was send emails that were very relevant to people that I knew. So basically, I took my own LinkedIn connections, and I was sending them emails, catching up, checking in, sending them updates, knowing that they would A, open, B, likely respond, C, they'd probably click through, and D, they would not mark as spam or unsubscribe, right? So I basically leveraged my own personal audience in a way that felt very personal to scale my own email infrastructure. And then from there, I was able to start introducing cold audiences. In this case, for the product I'm talking about, this was college students, and be able to start sending instead of you know, 10, 50, 100 emails a day, I was start able to start sending thousands of emails a day. Gotcha. And for anyone that's listening who may not understand why Chase was sending out emails to his warm audience first people he knew can you kind of like explain that real quick kind of like how that warm up why you're doing that warm-up process yeah absolutely so i basically was using emails on the back of gmail or google so i was using g suite emails right. and google you know yahoo AOL, all the isps um they're very good at catching spammers right so if i had gone and just started blasting thousands or tens of thousands of people that had never heard of me most likely either a the recipients would not receive the emails because they either were in spam, they're being blocked, something was happening. Or if those emails were being sent, again, they'd probably be filtered to promotions at the very best, most likely the spam folder. So by creating kind of trust and a reputation with Google through warm audiences or, or trusted audiences, again, in this case, it was people that knew me, I was able to show Google over a period of time. So whether it was a couple of weeks or a couple of months, that I, in fact, was a legitimate sender. I was sending emails like you normally would send for your business. You know, Morgan, I would send you an email if we were working together, just, you know, checking in, you know, sending you a proposal, asking how you were doing. So I wanted to mimic that behavior initially. And then that allowed me to be able to send emails that were highly deliverable and would inbox. Gotcha. So you're pretty much building up your trust first and then kind of hitting that cold audience. Were there any big roadblocks you experienced while scaling up when it came to like maybe handling that inflow of responses or what were some things you had to overcome in order to keep scaling that campaign? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just the unpredictability of of Google. So in in the beginning, um, if you start sending too many emails, they're going to start what's called rate limiting you. And they basically Mm -hmm. say, hey, slow down. You've sent too many emails. Like, are you a spammer or are you a real person? So the hardest part there was knowing what that rate limit was. Um, Every different email account, every domain we set up, there was a different threshold of rate limits. Some accounts were cool sending five emails a day. Other accounts were cool sending 50 emails a day from the start. 
So I think that initial thing was the hardest. And once you kind of got rate limited, you really had to tone it back and kind of start over. We always erred on the side of being very cautious in the beginning where we'd send five emails a day. We then send 10 emails a day, 15, 20, and so on. And then as you got to like 50, 100, we noticed you could go from like 50 to 100 way quicker than you could go from five to 10. Gotcha. Okay. And how long did that warm up process usually take you? Oh man, that warm up process is painful. I guess the question really goes back to how many emails do you want to send? My goal was to send thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of emails every single month. It took me a lot warm, longer to warm these up. Um, to be able to send a few thousand emails a month probably took me like four to six weeks. But when I set up emails to be able to send tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, it's taken a couple months at, at the very least. And not only that, but when you're sending your email after you send it to the engaged audience, you need to ensure that you're at least getting a 20 or 30% open rate. So that way you can scale. You know, if you go from sending 100 emails a day at a 50% open rate to sending 1,000 emails a day at a 10% open rate, you might have gone too quickly. The data that you're sending to might not be the most engaged. Um, another thing that you also want to be careful with, which I didn't know initially, is you want to really limit the number of emails that bounce. The email bounces because someone had typed it in wrong. It bounces because of various different reasons. And the more emails that bounce, the more likely that Google, Yahoo, AOL, all the ISPs will know that you actually purchased the list. So you'll have to always clean your list before sending to it. And that was definitely another hard learning lesson. Gotcha. And I want to get to that list creation and talk about how you've used this in a B2B context as well. I'm very interested in that server you set up. How did you go about doing that? Do you have a technical background? Do you have a technical person that you work with? How did that kind of come together with building that SMTP server? Yeah, so I guess I'll explain my email stack really quickly and that will lead yeah, to absolutely. Um, so I use G Suite, so just you know, Google for work. They're pretty cheap. I think you pay like six bucks a month for it. Almost everyone probably has a G Suite or an Outlook account. I use G Suite. Um, I use a tool called GMAS, G-M-A-S-S. And it basically is a Chrome extension that allows you to connect a Google Sheet to your email and allows you to basically do a mail merge. Um, and what, what I mean by mail merge is you basically could say, hey, brackets, first name. And that will pull the first name of everybody on your spreadsheet. So that way it's personalized. So again, uh, G Suite plus GMAS. And then plus, I was using SendGrid SMTP servers. Mm -hmm. It was the one that was the easiest for me to set up as a non-technical person because it's something I set up myself. And GMAS had a lot of really great documentation on how you could set this up and how you could get everything connected. So again, did it all myself, not very technical, read a few guides and read some documentation. And I probably want to say initially maybe invested like 20, 30 hours into getting this thing set up just because I have no idea and no technical background. Now when I want to do these things, it probably takes me 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Wow. Wow. That's fast. Yeah. 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 Because again, all these things are highly repeatable and I've built a process over the past couple of years that has been purposefully for scale. Um, I knew at the time that even though I was working for a company that I was going to be doing more for them, but also my own things. I had always an interest in doing my own projects, but I wanted to be able to leverage something across the board that would last me a very long time. Um, mo most spammers, most email marketers that just keep sending in bulk with no um, real goal in mind, they're very short-term focused, where I was very mid kind of to long-term focused. And that's kind of why I built it the way I did. Gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, when it comes to 
finding prospects, right? Building those lists. What was your kind of system for gathering these prospects and, and kind of cleaning that data? Yeah, so there's a couple ways that I've done it. Um, so one for the kind of education platform I talked about. Um, truthfully, I was going to college directories and building tools internally that would aggregate that data at scale. Pretty much I found working with developers that anything that I could do manually more or less is something that they can automate. So the fact that I was able to go into a directory myself and pull the data by copying and pasting, um, I was then able to hire developers to do that as well. So for the college one, you know, it's through college directories. A lot of them are publicly available. I also then built an email travel series called The Discoverer. And I grew that from zero to 500,000 subscribers in 10 months. And a large part of that acquisition came through cold email yet again. So what I had done was i would gotten a private API key from Instagram. And I, that allowed me to basically build an analytics tool. But on the back end of that analytics tool, while I was scraping the bio, I was able to parse out people's email. So I was basically had a tool that allowed me to see who the influencers were and weren't. And a byproduct of that was scraping people's bios and then figuring out that I wanted to email those people. I was able to pull that email from the bio. So I would scrape things like hashtag travel. Um, I would scrape people that followed things like beautiful destinations or not geo. I would scrape geolocations around like Bali, Indonesia. So I was scraping, you know, travel interests, knowing the people posting with that and engaging with that type of content would likely be interested in what I was building. So I think in 2017, I probably sent, you know, in the ballpark of two to three million cold emails with an average open rate of about four, 40 to 50%. And an average click-through reply rate of about 10 to 15%. Nice. So that, again, that, that was an internal tool that we built, um, sourcing people from Instagram based off of their interests. Very nice. And I think it's important to touch on what you were doing with that travel series, right? You were, you were moving people from a cold audience, right? You were scraping information, contacting them, and directing them to joining your email list, right? To a warm audience. And I think this is important to think about for people who are in B2B, who are in SaaS, when it comes to, you know, not just growing your audience, but kind of growing your pool of prospects that, you know, the way things are heading, having your own audience or your own owned audience is becoming more increasingly important you know as we see ad costs rising as we see other channels becoming more and more expensive having direct access to your customers or your prospects is becoming so much more valuable so even though chase you were doing this on you know a travel for a travel site i assume this could be directly applicable for anyone who's in b2b who's doing something like creating and or delivering webinars, educational series. Like I know you've spent time doing using your methods in B2B and for SaaS, the startups and appointment setting. How have you seen some of those skills you've developed or those systems and processes transfer over to the software world? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and one thing, the last thing on the B2C side before moving to B2B, um, to your point, owning your audience, that's gold, right? You could literally print cash. Um, today, we work with 30 e-commerce brands. And again, in 18 months, we've done $25 million in e-commerce revenue. So typically, our brands do about 25 to 30% of their entire revenue from email. And these are people that you've already spent money to acquire. You might as well you know, nurture them, convert them, and get them to share it with more people. So to your point, like owning your audience is so crucial. Um, now moving to B2B, um, a couple of things that we've done revolves around being very timely. So again, as an email marketing agency, one thing that we had saw was MailChimp and Shopify, you know, maybe eight or 10 months ago, announced that their integration was breaking up. Yeah. So 
my partner and I were like, okay, there's a lot of companies on MailChimp that are going to be kind of left in the dark and they're going to have a really hard time continuing their email marketing unless they find a platform that allows them to integrate their Shopify store. So what we had done is we found this database called Apollo.io. I haven't used it mm. since, but it, it allowed us to find the, the software that people were using. So what I had done is I had scraped and grabbed a list of people that were using MailChimp. I basically sent them an educational email saying, hey, Morgan, came across your business, um, saw that you were on MailChimp and using Shopify, wanted to make sure you saw this article, linked them to an article where it showed you know, both Shopify and MailChimp releasing statements, and just basically let them know that this was going to be problematic for their business. And if they wanted to help migrating to another platform, in this case, it was Clavio, that we would help them migrate for free if they signed a contract with us for three months to work as their email provider. So basically what we had done is we took an event that was very current, very important to these businesses. If they can't do email, you know, there goes a whole portion of their revenue. And we offered them help and insight and content. And that converted about eight clients for us in a period of 30 days. Wow. I want to pause right there just to, for people who are listening to kind of think about what Chase is talking about. Why this is so powerful, what he's doing is because he's using creativity and then scaling that creativity with automation. I think the problem with a lot of people do, or the problem that a lot of people have in B2B when they're doing outreach is that they get really lazy and they're just using that automation. I'm just going to, you know, pull prospects or whatever and just email as many people as, you know, I can physically can. And you will get some results like that, you know, very small results, but you're quickly going to spam through a large amount of your potential prospect base. But what Chase is doing is he's finding that audience where they're at. He's meeting them where they are, finding that pool of prospects who are highly relevant to what he has to offer and offering something that they really need and they really want. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because you're, and you're taking automation, just pretty much using it as gasoline and putting that on the fire. Yeah. And one other thing I wanted to mention too, is around building kind of a list. So of course, obviously in our business, there's leads that we win and there's leads that we lose. Uh, our close rate lately has been pretty good. We've been closing about 70% of the brands that we talk to and engage with. That being said, the 30% of the bucket, um, me personally, I love to close as much business that makes sense. Um, and there's a lot of really great leads that are the timing isn't right um, or they're kind of scaling. So I keep those people basically on a newsletter list that I've created. Mm. And I just send them every quarter until they close um, facts and kind of information and what they should be doing. So that way I'm always top of mind. So let me give you an example. So in Q4 this past quarter, we probably onboarded a dozen clients and we probably had talked to maybe three to five others that we didn't close just because of the timing. So I added those people to a list where I sent them basically advice throughout the quarter saying, hey, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is coming up. You need to start planning today. This is one month out. You need to start planning today. And here are some content tips I would give you. Here are what our clients did last year that works. Here's what's on our radar for this year. Here's some subject lines you should use for your email. Here's some creative inspiration. So I just send people um, you know, over time that haven't converted this content. And sure enough, right, people start converting. They see that we're willing to provide value. They see yeah. that we're innovating. Um, and we're just nurturing them. B2B deals, again, we're not super expensive, but we're typically charging about $3,000 to $5,000 a month. Um, it, it's not like a, a gut decision, right? Like if you don't right. have a people, you don't pull the trigger. But if we convince you over time that there's a need, you're going to pull your, the trigger and you're going to work with us because we nurtured you, right? So I also wanted to mention that around what you mentioned around building communities 
and kind of disseminating content. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like very few people that you reach out to are going to be ready to buy immediately, right? They need to be nurtured. Um, people are going to buy when they want to buy, right? It's just up to us as either for salespeople or marketers to stay in front of them and keep delivering value, right? Not just following up for the sake of following up, but just delivering value until, you know, their budget cycle comes up or there's an opportunity for you to kind of come in and, and show what you got. So I love that. I like that you have, you have this hunting piece set up, but you also have this farming piece set up as well. So I think that's critical for anyone any salesperson or any company that's looking to be to really gain more customers and gain influence within this next decade. Um, One other thing I wanted to add that even just happened today that I think is going to net us a client in the coming months. So I was introduced to an e-commerce brand today. Um, I was introduced to them a couple of weeks ago, but because of the timing of the holidays, finally got to talk to them today. Lo and behold, they had just hired another email person last week. So instead of me being like, all right, bummer, there's there's not a fit here, like, good luck. I basically said to him, like, hey, you already signed this contract. I'm not trying to get you to work with us. Send me what these people are doing. I'm going to audit it for you and I'm going to give you feedback. So this guy sent me this email today of the breakdown of what these people are going to do. And I responded back to him today saying, hey, this looks really great for the most part. I think you should continue working with them for that project. That being said, I do want to work with you on another project. And here are the three notes that I would have done differently. That being said, you know, I think they're going to do a great job. And I'm here if you have any questions. I'm here to be a sounding board. So again, like I think that's a really important piece in a sales role is if you could be an ally, even though someone's gone to someone else, if, if that person that they're working with currently messes up or if there's a bigger opportunity to bring in multiple people, you better believe he's going to give me a call in a couple months. Absolutely. Being that strategic partner, being that trusted asset to their business um, is crucial. Anyone who's in business, um, you know, and they're trying to grow, they're trying to get better, they are looking for people like that. They're looking for people who know their craft very well, who are experts in a specific subset of, you know, what they oversee every day and are looking for how to gain an edge, right? And um, the good news for anyone who wants to put in this effort like you are is that most people aren't doing this. They won't do it. They won't follow up. They won't add value they won't stick around when you know now it's not the right time they're looking for right now you know they want to find who's ready right now and people can smell that and again you get a small percentage of people doing that but the majority of people are going to find someone who's willing to put in that effort so uh, we've talked about a few uh, different trends uh, in the marketplace are there any more that you're seeing like in the you see in the b2b space or have seen in the b2b space or maybe in b2c but is also applicable to b2b within sales technology or the type of cold email outreach you're doing yeah i think the biggest thing goes back to inboxing and deliverability i think it's becoming increasingly difficult to inbox and have high deliverability that you really have to set up the foundation for success today right and start small there's no shame in starting small you have to do it the right way to have longevity um, so I think it's really important if you're not doing this today, but you want to do this tomorrow, that you start today. So I really think that if you spend the time sending high quality emails, if you spend the time cleaning your list um, and you start doing some of the things that we mentioned, I think that's the most important because I think now, I think as the years go on, so many other people are trying to figure out this spam filter stuff. So many other people are trying to figure out cold emailing that 
Google's only getting smarter and smarter by the day. A lot of what we did years ago still works, but if we were getting 50% open rates three years ago, we're probably getting you know 45% open rates today. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to go ever down to 20 or 30, but just even seeing a slight decrease is worrisome. Absolutely. When it comes to within the campaign, um, something I don't think we touched on was the copywriting of the emails and just kind of the email sequence or cadence, how many times you're following up. What does that look like? What are you writing in the emails to people? And what are your number of follow-ups look like for anyone who's trying to get a basic idea of the campaign? Yeah, this this is my process for It's Very, very simple. Basically, what I do is I send one kind of initial email and I have like a link in there, whether it's a link to a website, a link to my LinkedIn, whatever it is. And basically what I do is I have a VA go and add any single person that clicks on any of those links on LinkedIn. So I have them add them on LinkedIn. And then I basically segment those people. So like an added on, on LinkedIn list. So I then have another follow-up sequence, one that will go to people that did not click a link, one to go to people that did click a link. And I, I typically kind of stop after that second follow-up. And then I'll circle back a couple months later if I don't hear from them. So I typically do one outreach, figure out who's who, segment them. Um, and then for the people that I added on LinkedIn, just saying like, hey, I wanted to let you know I sent you a message on LinkedIn. You know, would love to connect, whatever. You know, let me know when you're available or whatever it is, right? I'm obviously just winging it. And at the very bottom, I'll put thanks, Chase, sent from my iPhone, right? So that feels very personal. Mm. I want to add them on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then I sent them an email following up, you know, shortly after I did it. So a lot of times they're like, oh, this guy's for sure just reaching out to me. He wants to talk to me. That alone has increased reply rates like nobody's business. Wow. In the second email on the other side for people that don't click a link, I basically will say to them like, hey, I've got a bunch of advice um, to give you for email campaigns for this quarter. You know, let me know if you're interested in receiving it. Obviously, I'm going to send it to you at no charge just to try to get people to respond, right? Yeah. Get them to respond, add value. From there, it's a lot easier to schedule a call, right? Hey, Morgan, appreciate you hopping on this call. You know, let, let me know if you want me to talk to your email person that handles your e-commerce emails internally. Happy to give some advice, right? We spend a lot of time and an effort giving before taking it. Yes. Absolutely. That's so big because every garden variety email series, email campaign is always looking to take from someone. You know, can I get 30 minutes? Can I get a phone call? Can I get something from you? Your time, your attention, your money. But just giving something to someone, showing them, hey, I'm, can I provide you with this value is just so powerful. And it's just, it flips the frame for anyone who reads that email. Usually they're getting a request for something to, you know, that to be taken from them. And this is just flipping. And I love that. Yeah, on that, right? Like by us providing content that's very innovative they view us as thought leaders right that plus all the case studies in our background yeah um, it's a pretty easy sell at that point right gotten them to respond gotten them to see that there's value um a lot of kind of our strategy over the couple of years has been doing podcast interviews written interviews um you know getting to customer testimonials you know we're about to start doing our first kind of conversations and events on stage where we're speaking about email marketing so all of these things kind of are this ongoing snowball effect, right? The more podcasts and things I can show that I'm a thought leader, plus the actual content itself, they're sold. Yeah, absolutely. Because you think about, you know, what does someone do when you email them? If they've got, a, you know, a hint, if they are a little bit interested, what are they going to do? 
They're going to go to your website and check you out. They're going to go to your profiles and check you out and see, okay, who is this person? And if you have that copious amounts of content available for them to check out and you're talking about, you know, they're, they're reading things from you or listening to things from you or watching things from you that are, they can tell her like, okay, this is pretty advanced. This person knows what they're talking about. They're going to reply. They're going to see what's up, especially if you're offering them something. Cause it's like, Hey, this expert is going to offer me something. Sure. What do you got? And that, that starts that reply process. And then, then you start moving into booking meetings and as you were talking about earlier, kind of moving into your sales process. So Yeah. And two of the things I wanted to call out. So one of the things that people do is they check you out on LinkedIn, right? So I make it my goal that I'm connecting with all the thought leaders in the spaces I want to go after. So that way they see that I'm connected with that person that they idolize, right? Um, and that doesn't cost anything. Go find people to connect with, add a bunch of them. So I think that's, that's another point, right? People are going to check out your LinkedIn. They want to see who you know, and they want to see who you are and what you've done. Um, the other thing that I've noticed happens a lot of time, and I do this myself as well, is when someone sends really good emails, I want to wait till the end to see their whole sequence. Um, so I've noticed that in some of my emails, I'll even say like, hey, this is the last email I'm sending you. So if you're waiting for me to send you more because you really like my emails, this is it. Um, mm -hmm. and, then, and then people will respond, right? So I've, I've noticed before I didn't do that, and I sent four or five emails, people waited until the last email. They're like, cool, I wanted to see all your emails before I replied. And I yeah. <laughs> I even kind of make a joke about it now because I'm shortening my number of emails. I'm like, hey, Morgan, this is the last email I'm going to send you. You're not going to be able to, to mooch off my next few emails. Like, this is it. If yeah. you reply, we can continue the conversation and maybe I can send you some more knowledge. But that's all I got for you. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of humor, right? Like emotion. If you think about any sort of, you know, sales copywriting that you see anywhere, any sort of like sales and marketing material, it's meant to spark some sort of emotion and get people to, because that gets people to take action. So I love it, man. I love it. I could talk to you about this stuff all day, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. For anyone listening who might be a good fit for your company, can you kind of tell them, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but you can kind of tell uh, the audience, you know, who you're a great fit for, or who's a great fit for what you do and kind of how you help people. Yeah, so 90% of the businesses we work with today are direct consumer kind of e-commerce brands. So mm -hmm. very much, you know, B2C brands. Mm -hmm. um, and companies that have consumable products, companies that have topical products, basically products that have very high repeat purchase are great candidates for what we do. And or clients that sell high ticket items are really great prospects. Um, because there's so much education and hand-holding and nurturing that needs to happen, email, in my opinion, is the best form to be able to send you know, short, medium, and kind of long form content. You know, you can't really do that on a Facebook ad. You can't really do that on a text. You can't really do that on Messenger. And then again, everything in between, right? Even products that are kind of mid-tier. That's kind of our core expertise right now because we've built processes that are highly, again, scalable and repeatable. And then the remaining 10% of our business is kind of like SaaS companies or other B2B firms that want to book appointments. You know, they want to drive signups. Um, they want to do those types of things. So Again, yeah, 90% of them is e-commerce clients. We do do some cold email for SaaS brands in B2B companies, helping them generate leads and appointments. But that is a lot smaller of a bucket. Gotcha. Awesome. And what's the best way for anyone who wants to get in touch with you to talk about some things you mentioned on this episode today or just are interested in working with you? Yeah, my emails would be great. So it's chase at boundlesslabs.io. So chase at boundlesslabs.io um, is my best way. And then if you or Instagram and kind of want to follow my personal account, it's Chase Hunter Diamond, no A in Diamond. Gotcha. 
Okay. Awesome, man. Well, it was great chatting with you today. I learned a lot. I love the types of things you're doing. You're putting together, you know, that you're front loading your effort, getting creative and just scaling that out and doing things the way it should really be. And uh, I admire that. So it's awesome to get to hear what you're doing. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. This was a blast. All right. Same here. Appreciate it. You have a good one. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.